All right. Welcome to the first episode of the Parking Lot Basketball Podcast. We talk all things basketball. A uh, group of four of us used to play basketball together, mostly Tuesday nights at this old church building. We called it Noah's Ark. I think it's just about that old. And after we'd play ball, we'd always we'd hang out in the parking lot. I feel like we'd be in the parking lot talking basketball, chopping shot for longer than we actually played basketball for. Uh, we'd go to Circle K, you know, 7-Eleven, like whatever gas station was nearby. And we get, get some them Slurpees. Get some Slurpees, Gatorades, and totally counteract all the calories we burn playing basketball. So it was really just us talking basketball for hours. I and still hours have later. those calories. <laughs> Ever since then, I know I moved across the country. Like, things have changed, but we're getting back together. Uh, doing a basketball podcast we talked about it for a long time so we're excited about that um, but let me introduce myself I'm I'm Kyle um, and played basketball with you guys for years always always a big NBA fan from Phoenix Arizona living in New York City right now just finishing up my master's out here um, so like I I fell in love with Steve Nash and the Phoenix Suns but even before Steve Nash I think it was a 2002 draft. I remember Amari Stoudemire getting drafted out of Cypress Creek, Florida. Um, and I remember the race with him and Yao Ming for rookie of the year. I would check at like my local library. My mom would take us and they'd have like the sports illustrated for kids. I don't know if you guys remember those magazines. Man, oh, times yeah. have changed. That's crazy. Oh, <laughs> they have like the, the cards in there that you can like pop out. It was so cool. But I remember they'd have an update like on the rookie of the year race. And I was so young. That's like, I, I watched like the Suns games, but I didn't know like on a national level who was winning. And I guess it was a really close race, came down to the wire. And I, I was so proud when Amari beat out Yao Ming, like the seven foot, like eight guy from China. It just, it was <laughs> the greatest feeling ever. And I fell in love with the game. I fell in love with the Suns, Steve Nash, just a couple of years after that. And it's just all history from there. But big fan of the league in general, love the Suns, but out here in New York, a lot of Knicks talk, a lot of Nets talk. Katie and Kyrie are like kind of the buzz of the town, so it's kind of a cool perspective. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I was just thinking about it. We're in three different time zones. There's we have three different people that are in completely different time zones, so it's kind of crazy. This kind of come back together a little bit. But uh, my name's Austin. I'm I'm also from Phoenix. Grew up in Arizona, whole life, and um, I think I fell in love with basketball just like Kyla was saying with with Steve Nash. He was really the big influence for for me and, and playing basketball, like we all wanted to play seven seconds or less, run and gun, move the ball. Everyone wanted to be just the point God, you know, everyone wanted to um, we, we make didn't, the we didn't play pass. defense. We didn't know what defense was. <laughs> yeah. We don't play defense in Phoenix like at all. So, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I remember specifically I had, I had the opportunity to go to a, a son's game. I was probably eight or nine years old, but, um, for Christmas, I got tickets, and I was so excited. And my uncles worked for the team for a long time. So I got to go down to the locker room and see all the different lockers. And I had I got the chance to meet some of the players. And ever since then, like, I've just had this love for for the for the game, for the players, and um, just the, the athletes that they are. And so I, ever since then, I've just become a big, big basketball fan. I, I definitely was a Suns fan, and it's kind of adapted more just to overall NBA, but, but excited to, to chat basketball with everyone. Man, your uncle has the hookup. He yeah, it's been really nice for a lot of years. He knew man. all the guys. Him and Steve Kerr were buddy-buddy. Like, 
Yeah. We've been to, we've been to some good games because of him. Yeah, he's hooked it up. Yeah. And you're, you're in Idaho in, right now, right? Yeah, so I'm in Idaho. My wife's in, in pharmacy school, and I'm just in school as well. So Yeah, so we're all over the country now. Yeah. yeah. All Here right, well, I'm, uh, I'm Stuart. Uh, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona as well. I'm still here. Um, I'm like these traders from New York and <laughs> Idaho. Um, when did I fall in love with basketball? I'm going to take you guys back to a simpler time. <laughs> a time before face masks and before social distancing. To the year of our Lord, 2007. The Western Conference semifinals had the San Antonio Spurs match up against the Phoenix Suns. I'm sorry if I bring up any tears for anybody. Oh, man, I didn't want to go through this tonight. <laughs> but game I one. I on the first podcast. Game one, fourth quarter, Steve Nash on a fast break, does a little spin move. Tony Parker reaches in, bangs his head into him, nose is gushing blood, had to come out of the game three, three or four times because – just getting blood on the court and blood on his shirt and had to get it taped up, hit a couple threes. Suns ended up losing the game. But the next morning, my friends and I were texting before we went to school and decided, yeah, it'd be fun if we all went to school with like band-aids on our nose with the number 13, just like, just like rep. We get to school and it was just me and like four friends. We get to school and I kid you not, probably half the school including some teachers had band-aids on their nose with the number 13 on their nose. And that was kind of the first moment where I really fell in love. I think I could say with the game when I realized, Oh, this brings together the entire city. Like this puts the entire city together and, and unifies us in a way that I, I don't see very many other things able to do. So that oh, was, sure. that was when I would say, I fell in love with, with the game. Phoenix is a huge basketball city. Always will be. That's awesome, man. I remember that day like it was yesterday. The French kiss is what they what they call it, right? <laughs> Parker and Nash, the French kiss. Parker. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so to wrap it up, uh, my name is Logan. Um, I'm also still here in Phoenix, just like Stu. Um and the first voice you heard, Kyle, that's actually my older brother. So we're brothers, um, you know, and I, I think Kyle is probably the one who like really got me into basketball, um, just kind of, you know, watching games with him. Can't remember how many times we've, you know, I, I would watch him throw remotes across the room um, because <laughs> how angry he would be with the, the calls or the refs or the suds, whoever always it was. Always the officiating. It was always the officiating. <laughs> Yeah, it was never it was never the son's fault. No, it was the officiating. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I I think that for me that's kind of where a lot of it's come. Um, kind of growing up, you know, I, when I was younger, I wanted to play basketball. Played in like seventh or eighth, then seventh and eighth grade, and I was the smallest kid on the court. I was like in junior high, I was like maybe four feet tall, like sixty pounds. I was just tiny. Um, but I wanted to play basketball so bad. And I, and I can remember that it wasn't until uh, we had a, our, our team ended up winning the championship in eighth grade, but um, we ended up like dominating that game. And I came in, you know, and played for the last like four or five minutes or something. 
And in the two years that I played, I made my first basket in our last game, the championship hey, there you game. Go. I remember and, that. And, and, and my team just like like blew up and like put me on their shoulders. Like it was like the <laughs> best moment ever. It's game um, time. It's Logan oh. time, baby. <laughs> it's Logan time. Yeah. So I I think for me, you know, I, I enjoyed it a lot growing up. Didn't follow it as closely. I, I would say I haven't been like a huge fan until the last, you know, probably, you know, 10 years or so, especially the last like six or seven have been when I've really followed and, you know, really gotten into the game, um, especially for the NBA. You know, always been a fan of playing the sport, but in following all the players, watching kids come out of college, all that kind of stuff really started uh, just probably back like six, seven years ago and just can't get enough of it. So we are, this is going to be super fun. We're super excited to do this. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all like pretty big, like NBA draft junkies being like Suns fans first and foremost. Like we, <laughs> we live for the lottery. We live for the offseason. Oh, the offseason is our regular season. Tankathon. Yeah. <laughs> Tankathon.com has like been on my Google Chrome favorites for like eight years. <laughs> like, my homepage, bro. <laughs> yeah, so 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 we're we're good about the draft. We're always digging into the draft. Love the draft and playoff ball right now is um it's been awesome because especially the Suns had that eight and run was super exciting, right on the brink of the playoffs. But I mean I am happy with kind of their outlook right now and like I think we're finally looking up um as an organization, but like just like this whole playoff picture has been and the bubble's been awesome. The atmosphere is incredible. I feel like there's so much more shot making without like opposing uh, like crowds and fan bases, which I mean, being at some of those games, it's, it's such an electric atmosphere, but like watching it on TV, like it's just cool to watch these guys get locked in and totally in the zone. Uh, they don't have to worry about kind of the atmosphere. It's all, always a neutral court. Um, and I'm just trying to look at like teams, like maybe teams that are maybe overvalued or undervalued at this point. And I mean, you've got to look at the Bucks first and foremost, like, I, I know maybe we're not all on the same page here, but like I think they are super overvalued. Um, not that they're going to lose to Orlando, but that loss wasn't wasn't like a like a two point overtime loss. Like Orlando, like they had control of that game from the tip, and they controlled that game, the pace of that game. Like they were up double digits most of the game. I don't know. I think it's indicative, and I think teams can look at that blueprint in the like future series, like they'll beat Orlando, maybe in even five games, but like you play Miami, you got to play Boston, especially Toronto. Like they're going to expose those weaknesses. I think they're a little overvalued at this point. Well, what's great about Orlando too, is that they, they're banged up. Like going into the series, it's like, Oh yeah. Banged up. Jonathan Isaac had his horrible injury, which is such a bummer. He's playing such a super good basketball, but, but it speaks to this idea that there's no home court advantage. Like these number one seeds, like the Lakers and, and Milwaukee, like, they can't rely on home court advantage in these different these different things. They have to come out and play, and and that's where the bubble's been really fun. Is that if you don't come out and play, like you get exposed, and so Milwaukee's gonna have to figure out a way to kind of regroup. But I'm kind of in agreement with you, Kyle. I think I do think they are a little bit overvalued. I, I I don't I don't know if I see this team making a deep finals run this year. I I just I'm I don't know what what their ceiling really is. Well, we all did the NBA like playoff pick them, right? I don't think any did right. any of us take the Bucks to make the finals. I maybe that's like finals, but not, maybe I, I we're a little it. too low on them. That, that, that none of the four of us took them because, like, they definitely like. I mean, if Giannis is on, like, that team runs and breathes and bleeds through Giannis. But yeah, I don't think any of us took them to make the finals. Well, I think it's just indicative of the history with the Bucks, right? I mean, this is the same story every 
every playoffs. They have a fantastic regular season. Giannis plays great, but at the end of the day, I mean, they don't have any what they need to close. And whether that's Giannis's jump shot issues, like, or I, I think it might be more Coach Bud. I mean, I'm I was high on Coach Bud going in. On take central, stupid takes. <laughs> Coach Budenholzer is on the same level as Luke Walton. His words, not mine. That's I, not I think what crazy, I said. Man. I love Bud. I think <laughs> I, Bud's a I good job. I wouldn't go that far. That's <laughs> not what I said, but <laughs> I do think. I do think it has to go somewhere. Like every other situation, we look at a team like this that underachieves over and over and over again, and we look at the coach. Like I feel like we we do that with every other situation. For some reason, for with sure. the Bucks, maybe it's because we all looked at Bud and said, "Man, he's a great coach. That's a great hire for them from the beginning." But I, they've just underachieved every year. Yeah. yeah. What What have they proved in the playoffs? Like they're a great regular season team, but until they break through, they haven't even made the finals with Bud yet. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I, I think rather than looking about, I, I look at some of the other players on that roster. I mean, you put Giannis on most of the teams that you would pick to go to at least the conference finals. I think you'd probably pick them to at least win the finals. But I just look at the supporting cast, and I just, like, am not in love with it. I look at Eric, Eric Bledsoe. I mean, as Phoenix fans, you know, we've seen Eric Bledsoe. We, you know, we, we don't want him either. Um, but you dare talk I mean, trash about my boy Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> I don't um, want to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, he is like, like he's proven to just not, you know, play and finish well in the playoffs. Uh, Chris Middleton, you know, great regular season player. He can get a bucket and he's been decent in playoff games, but he's never really been able to take over a game. Um, and so I, I think that the problem with Milwaukee, not that they won't go far, because I think that they'll at least make it to the conference finals, but I think that's their biggest issue is that the stars that they've chosen to pay really aren't the best fits or you know, players there, next to Giannis. There's a theory that there's just, there's not high enough quality salons or barbershops in Milwaukee. <laughs> and that's why Bledsoe doesn't produce, especially come playoff time. Yeah. Um, that makes sense now. I, I mean, I'm sorry, Coach Bud. I'm sorry, big Coach salon Bud. guy. So, yeah. So I'm looking at, um, some of the teams I was watching the the Boston Philly game earlier, and like mm. the whole narrative, I think a lot of people picked Boston to win, right? I did myself, yeah. And a lot of you guys did as well. Like the narrative is Boston can't defend Joel, and Joel should absolutely dominate, like Boston in the paint. And that's the same narrative we're seeing with LA. Like, oh, like LA is going to punish you with their size, like the Lakers that is, not the Clippers. Like the, they have so much size, so many big men, Javale, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, like you're not careful like they're going to punish you with their size if you don't match up well and so far i know we're early in the playoffs maybe this is an overreaction but like we're not seeing that at all like the smaller teams the more switchable teams the less traditional like run through your post through your big man kind of teams are like running these guys out of the gym look at steven adams no casey they couldn't keep him on the floor against against houston so right i think we're seeing i mean that shift has been happening in the nba but you're still seeing some dominant like at least regular season teams like the Lakers, like Philly to an extent who kind of run, not that the Lakers run through the post, they run through LeBron, but like, you know what I mean? Like bigger size teams. And I think like we're seeing that trend maybe accelerate away from those kind of teams even quicker than I thought. But what I think, what I think is going to be really interesting. And this is why I really want to see a Houston Lakers matchup in the second round, like as, as cool as the Harden LeBron 
matchup would be Anthony Davis and, and Wesley, all these guys, there's a lot of stars, but you are going to see like two really different styles of basketball. Like LA really relies on their bigs to dominate and rebound and, um, and, and just beat, beat the other team up. But Houston's just so, so different. And even in today's standards are so different that if Houston can finally like climb this hurdle and beat some of these teams, like it's going to be like, I really think that like a matchup like that is going to change the landscape of the NBA for years to come. Cause it's, just I, would, really I would take Houston in a vacuum on a neutral court. Like we're looking at, honestly, if, if Westbrook is healthy, I think Houston wins that series. Seven well, we talk really? about it a lot. Like, I mean, this three month break is going to be huge advantage for Houston. Cause I mean, their problems have been Harden gets gassed. Harden gets gassed in the fourth and of uh, playoff games and can't, and keep up with the same production he puts in the regular season. So with a three-month rest, Houston's got a big edge. Yeah, they may, they may have benefited more than any other team from that from that layoff for sure. And I, I just wonder, almost, is it enough? Like, is it enough for Houston? Like, that's like the big concern, right? Like, is Harden is he good enough? Is he going to take him? Like, can he take him to the promised land? Like, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what what that kind of a matchup will look like if we get there. Yeah, and I think it's been interesting to see almost the the opposite, you know, because Houston has kind of had this break, but they've been, you know, playing maybe not every game in the bubble with both Harden and Westbrook. But, I mean, you look at teams like Milwaukee, like the Lakers, who maybe going into the bubble weren't as, you know, committed to trying and putting in that effort and everything. You know, they were resting a lot of guys, who rightfully so. They don't want to get their guys hurt. But now you're seeing the teams that are putting in just hustle and effort outplay other teams because they have been going for the last month whereas when you watch the Lakers play the Blazers yesterday you watch that game and I, I feel like you still don't even know like what is the Lakers identity like who who are these other players next to LeBron and AD like you're still just kind of confused on who is supposed to be that third option who is your starting five they're still trying to figure out whereas although, Blazers, although Pope shouldn't be like a 15th option like, right. How was that? <laughs> I don't understand how that guy is like on a championship caliber roster. Have you guys seen the meme of LeBron, uh, where it's like David Stern? I promise, I saw Damian Lillard out in the club oh, with yeah. Contavious Caldwell Pope. <laughs> oh, Adam Silver. I know you're. Yeah. Recipes, yeah. dude. Oh, oh, sorry, man. Yeah. David Stern. The great David Rest Stern. I say with bated breath. I say with bated breath. That 07 uh, Spurs series brought that up, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's still fresh. Still fresh. He actually, quick, quick aside, he, I, I got the news that he, like, I think he had, like, a stroke or something at dinner. I was, yeah. like, in Midtown. He was, like, at a restaurant, like, two blocks from me. So, I, I, I jumped on Twitter. I saw, like, a wow. little notification. And it was, like, yeah, he was taken from this restaurant to the hospital. And I'm, like, hearing sirens. I'm not saying, like, his ambulance passed me, but I'm, I'm like literally two blocks from this restaurant. I looked it up. That's crazy. In Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I still house a little disdain for David Stern and maybe it's been long enough for me to say that rest in peace, but <laughs> yeah, not my yeah. favorite commissioner. Um, Adam Silver though. Yeah. The, the meme is hilarious that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> Or the fact that KCP, KCP scored one more point than the rest of us did yesterday. <laughs> Sitting on my couch. <laughs> yeah, right. Over oh, nine, man. Yeah. No, okay, I, I think... got one more playoff team oh, I, I have a question about. One more playoff team. 
Um, and it's just to stick on the East Coast, but it's Toronto. What do you guys think about Toronto? I know that, like, I know, Stuart, I know we were talking about this. Like, you're not as, like, big on Toronto as we are, but, like, we really like Toronto. I'm just curious to know your guys' thoughts on Toronto. Like, overvalue, undervalue, like, can they really win it all? Like, are they good enough to, to go all the way? Like, what do you think? No. <laughs> no, they are not good enough to go all the way. I, I think – I still think in the playoffs you need a closer. I yeah. think you need an a all-star slash superstar closer that you can just say, here, take the ball. Nothing else is working. Our offense has been garbage all game long, but we need you to go get a bucket. Go. And everybody else get out of the way. I still think you need that, and I don't think Toronto has that. So unless – Unless Van Fleet's wife is eight months pregnant right now, <laughs> I don't see it. Because <laughs> if he gets that dad strength again, there's no stopping that guy. Hey, don't 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 doubt Freddie Double V, man. Logan man, is he, the he, biggest Van Fleet fan I've man. ever met. He, like, he's had he two. He's had, and, yes, like granted, they're playing the Nets right now, but he's had two back. He's had back to back double double games. He like, might get maxed so, out for agency. Dude, like, I I. Toronto can't let him go. I honestly don't think can like Toronto it? can afford that. I don't I think, know if they can. can I'm not they, sure. Actually. I mean, this is the question: Can they afford to lose him, or can they can they even afford to pay him? Like, I don't. That's <laughs> it's a good point, but I, I think that speaks to how good he can be. So I actually think that between uh, Siakam and Van Vliet and the defense that Low- that Lowry plays, like Lowry takes his takes charge after charge after charge. Like that guy, it lives on the floor. Um, yeah, and I think between. Van Vliet and Siakam, I think they do have that guy. Siakam can work his way inside and get a bucket, and Van Vliet is just proving that he is deadly from three-point range, and you, you just can't leave him. I think I agree with your very first point, Logan. They're playing the Nets. <laughs> but we yes, saw this, this last year, though. We saw this last year. Yeah, but they had Kawhi. <laughs> I know, but even look, still, and I, like, I'm look, picking but, Toronto. I'm picking Toronto to make the finals, but like it's it's good logic. Like they're basically the same team without Kawhi Leonard, and no one develops exactly. players better than Toronto. But like yeah, they, they've done a great job with that. By they the needed way. a bounce to get past Philly with Kawhi Leonard. So yeah, I mean, the, Stu's argument, like I I totally see the logic in that. I just I don't know. I like Miami, but I don't like love Miami as much as some people do. I really they're want really to love Boston, but like. Boston still feels like they're a piece away, especially with the Hayward with, news. With Hayward out, yeah, that's sad, yeah. man. Yeah. I agree. I think if Boston gets to the finals, which I have them going to the finals, I think it's a yeah. five-game series. Yeah. But, I mean, they have that shot maker, like you're saying, that late yeah. game, Jason Tatum. And, like, they just – I mean, everyone loves Brad Stevens. I like Brad Stevens, too. I'm not saying I don't. Um, but they just – they play such an interesting, like, style of basketball. They have so many wings, and, like, they're so perimeter-oriented, like – it just throws teams off. So, like, I'm not saying they definitely couldn't make a run. They're a weird matchup, that's for sure. Like, they yeah. are a weird matchup. And it could be great for them or it could hurt them. But they're, they're a different matchup, that's for sure. So, huh, that's really interesting. Are you guys watching the end of this Dallas Clippers game? I know Dallas is up, but I, I haven't. Yeah, clock, clock's winding yeah. down right now. Dallas yeah, is they're by wow. 13. Yeah. This, this is the Dallas. I don't know. I don't think they're that talented. Like when I watch them, I'm like, they have, they have nice players, but I don't know. They just, they just find ways to win. Like they, they are impressive. I, I don't know. I've not been the, as high on Dallas as other people, but uh, Luke is great. Nice, I mean, but. yeah, Luke is, he, I mean, there's nothing else to be said for Luca. Like he's just, he's unbelievable. But I, I was yeah. talking with a couple of buddies the other day about KP and I was surprised 
they they both were kind of like uh, like he's okay, but like uh, they weren't as high on him as I was. Uh, I mean, uh, watching Kristaps before his injury in New York, the guy was like a he top was ten dumb. player in the league at that time. That was like two and a half years ago. You know what I mean? Like on right. pace to be like like a top five player. It looked like for a minute there, and so he's playing like with Luca, which like accents some of his strengths, but also like he's not like the number one focal point of the offense anymore. I don't know. I think their core i think they're as a phoenix Suns fan i think they far and away have the best young core in the league and i think they're the scariest team to get like a third star and like be like a championship contender for like 10 years yeah aggressive yeah oh i wish we had mark cuban as an owner oh god yeah he's aggressive man no don't go guess though like he's not afraid to pull the trigger he's really not so yeah so, Kyle, you're the GM of the Mavericks. I'm coming to you with the trade offer of, let me say, Eric Bledsoe and Josh Jackson. <laughs> um, I'm asking for a friend, Ryan McDonough. Um, do you do I'll, give you, I'll give you some old milk in my fridge. Um, it's coconut milk, so it doesn't go bad as like, fast as regular milk, but it's like three months old. So it's, oh, and then it's... will you say TJ Warren for cash, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some cash in my wallet. I could do that. Good. Man, that's brutal. Josh Jackson. I don't ever want to hear that name again. Uh, yeah, so I don't think Dallas wins the series. I think it's still probably a six-game maybe series. Like, I think they can maybe steal one more, but I think the Clippers are too good. Um, but I don't know. I think they're the future. They really are, especially if they can get a third guy. Not not a third guy named Tim Hardaway. No disrespect to him, but, like, a legitimate, like, sure. you know, third, like, borderline all-star level player, someone of that realm. Someone like a Chris Middleton a couple of years ago that can like work his way up to like all-star respectability, like on the right team. I think, man, look out. Um, okay, so tomorrow night is the draft lottery. The, uh, it's basically Christmas Eve of sorts for, for us the last oh, couple yeah. of years. <laughs> it feels so weird to not like, Oh, like looking at the top three guys and who's the best guy, you know? It's nice, it's kind of, right? It is, yeah. it is really nice, man. It's been really <laughs> fun to be good again or to be irrelevant of winning basketball, not of top three lottery basketball. But so what, are the nice. odds, what do the odds look like? The, uh, yeah, I have that pulled up here, actually. So the top three um, percentage-wise, top this is number one is 14% chances of the number one pick. You have Golden State, which – Oh my word, that's that's a whole topic. But yeah, and then you have we'll Cleve, Cleveland and Minnesota, and I think both. Will, I actually think all three of those teams, like Cleveland, not so much. Obviously, like they're still really young, but but all three of those teams, like if they were to get the number one pick, it would be really interesting. Um, it would be really interesting to see. And then you have followed Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Chicago, Charlotte, Washington, Phoenix is the top ten. Um, so those top three teams have a fourteen percent chance, and then it diminishes pretty quick there. Atlanta twelve and a half, Detroit. 10.5 and so on so new york's at nine nine percent chance at number one so yeah there's a lot of interesting things that could happen tomorrow if the odds do any kind of bull crud that they did last year then i mean the suns will have the number one overall pick <laughs> hey listen the lakers aren't in the lottery this year so that's great you know they're not gonna yeah. jump wherever they, they still might from 28th or whatever 30th to, to one or two like you never they'll know. figure out a way yeah yeah magic johnson um, but I, I, you said Cleveland. I just that organization. I think about them getting like the number one pick or the number two or three <laughs> pick or whatever. Again. And I'm like, 
it's like, who, who do they even – they have so many guards. They have Sexton and they have uh, Garland, who they've drafted yeah. back-to-back years. And they just went and traded for uh, Andre Drummond, and they got, like, a million big men too. So what like, a weird fit. So they go man. wise men, and they have, like, like six big men. They have six centers all of a sudden. Or they go, like, a point guard. I know Lamelo is kind of like a combo guard. But they go sure. Lamelo, and now they have, like, four point guards. <laughs> like, well, knowing Cleveland, so they'll draft uh, Leangelo. <laughs> it would totally mess up and take Leangelo. Couldn't you see that? That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be so I'm laughing at them as a Phoenix Suns fan, but like I just Ugh. their roster makeup is so like perplexing to me. I don't understand. Do they even have a head coach right now? Like I don't even know who's coaching there anymore. <laughs> like they had a co- they had a head coach for like for like 36 hours, and then I don't even know who's coaching there anymore. I think they yeah, called LeBron's gone, so I don't know who's coaching now. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Okay, let's let's talk about it. I mean, like, especially as Suns fans, like, Golden State is still really scary, man. Like, they're they're still so talented. Like, their window's not closed. I don't think. Not at all. And if they get the number one pick, like, like, what do they like? What do you do? Like, can is like the draft's not that great? So can you get someone that's gonna really help the team right now? Or like, is that pick attractive? Like. The number one pick's always attractive, but is that attractive enough that they can sell it and go get a great player to fit with the core? I, I think for Lamelo, I think Lamelo's the guy that's like in his own tier, and I think like that is attractive enough, especially if like I didn't love, I didn't love the D'Angelo for Wiggins swap, right? But I think they could package Wiggins with the number one, like to make cap space work or something to go get like a legitimate like I mean we're talking like I'm not saying that's necessarily enough for a Bradley Beal, but like they. It's scary, like what they could do if they get number one. Because I do think Lamelo's kind of in his own tier, at least his like ceiling wise, potential wise. Lamelo could be a superstar. Um, and so I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you really want to trade away a, a number one pick in Andrew Wiggins. I mean, guy went number one. Do you really want to get? You want to get another <laughs> number one? Number trade ones. that away too. But what else did they get in that deal? They got another. They got Minnesota's pick next year. I want to say, and like the because next year's supposed to be a better draft. So, like, I think that was the real kicker for the trade was getting that pick. I mean, Wiggins was kind of like – everyone compares D'Angelo to Wiggins and it's like a drop-off. But I think it's really for the pick. So, if they got a couple – like, think about that. They could package that Minnesota pick next year. Minnesota was terrible this year. And now all of a sudden you have two potential top three, five picks. And then, like, a Wiggins who's still, like, a – you know, he's still a decent player. But to make, like, a salary work, like – and that is an ammunition. Well, yeah, the, the Warriors – the okay. Warriors get a 21 protected first round pick and a 2021 20, second round pick. Okay, so yeah, like I look at Utah and I know they played great today, but I mean, if that relationship between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is not like. Oh, it's fully, fractured, I think. It's fractured, but I don't know how deep that really goes. Like, is it fractured or that they couldn't, they couldn't still be aggressive and get someone to kind of come in and. I don't, think, I don't think they'll play together next year. I'll, I'll put it that way. Really? So if, you call, if you're Golden so. State, if you're called Golden State and you call Utah up and say, hey, I've got number one overall pick, Andrew Wiggins, and potentially a pick next year for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Rudy's interesting. And that fit is interesting, too. I've heard, I've heard like a Brooklyn Nets fit talk that could kind of work for Rudy Gobert hmm, with KD and Kyrie healthy next year, which I think is interesting. But I think like yeah. Golden State's interesting, too. Not my favorite fit, but, like, I mean, we haven't really seen them with, like, that level of a defensive anchor. Um, I think it's interesting like, because when, when I, I look at Gobert, and obviously, you know, defensive player of the year candidate has been in the past already. 
you know, great rim runner, shot blocker, you know, and just great down low. But, I mean, you look at the, the rest of these – I mean, you, you watch him play against Jokic, and Jokic, the offense runs through him. He is passing. He's doing everything, and Gobert is just at the rim. I feel like if I were a team, is that really the player – is that really the five I want to invest all of my assets into and a guy who can't shoot, can't pass great, even though the defense is there and, you know, he's good yeah. at the rim? Is, is that enough? You got Steph and Clay though. You know what I mean? Like you have talent on that roster. And I agree. Like, is Gobert enough? Is like that too much? And I don't know how much you have to give. Like if I'm if I'm being honest, like if I'm Utah, I got a young Donovan Mitchell. And you have a head coach that's proven that like he, he's oh, really Chris done well with that roster. He's he's, he's done really well with that roster. Like yeah. man, if I was them, I, I would be like I, I think I'd be willing to say, you know what, let's take a year or two off in the playoffs potentially and like get this young kid in here and pair him with Mitchell. That might be a really fun combo for them. But I, but I don't know. Like, I, I think if you're, if you're Golden State, yeah, you have, you add Gobert and you're just still so talented that, you know, I don't know if that's where you want to put all your chips, but it's definitely a nice, a nice player to add to a team that's like going to get really healthy really fast. And it's going to, I think, really surprise people again. So it's an interesting fit. But I don't know. I, I agree. I don't know if I'd put all my eggs in the basket for Gobert at that point. I just look at them defensively at that point. I mean, you have your offense and Steph, Clay, and just their ball movement in general creates offense but you start talking about a defense of Rudy Gobert Draymond Green who I didn't I know it didn't have a great season this year but I think it's still Draymond Green like I think he's gonna give you a triple single um <laughs> but you start looking at that defense and they're they're pretty elite in the interior and then Clay on on the perimeter is a good defender so I mean that's my that's my thinking yeah defensively it, it could be nasty what about what about Atlanta though I think Atlanta is another team that if they jump up, not even that far, even if they pick somewhere in that top five range, they're interesting too. Where they're they're less perplexing. They have similar kind of positional, maybe like inflexibility as Cleveland, but at the same time, like it makes more sense. Um, I don't think Capella. I think he's a really nice piece, but he's not like the answer at center. Like they could still go Wiseman, and I think they would be a great totally. fit. They could totally go like Lamelo next to like Trey Young. They have a bunch of threes. Herder, uh, Cam Reddish, Johnson, right? DeAndre um, Hunter. DeAndre Hunter, yeah, Virginia kid. Um, so they kind of couple threes, but like they could totally like move one or two of those guys out. John Collins has been in trade rumors. So, like they could kind of go any position and like they could be, that's a scary like core, man. I do love the LaMelo fit, man. Like, because I think, I think, I don't know, LaMelo, yeah, he is like 6'7. He could play your three, especially in a modern NBA, but he is small. I think as a two next to Trey Young, if they could really and, and Trey Young's been a good ball facilitator. He takes a lot of shots, but that team hasn't been been very great either. So I think that they would be such a fun pairing together. I think that that would be really cool. And especially with all these other young guys too that can shoot the ball like and space the floor. I think that'd be a super fun fit there. I yeah. you know you never know, but I, I think I think a little scary just because you never know what you're going to get. Like, no is he no gonna... defense on that team, but it would be like the NBA league pass <laughs> team of all time. <laughs> yeah. That's 140 a night. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, 140. Uh-huh, I was just going to say. Drop 140, give up 150, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, like, my thing with every night. <laughs> I, think, I think Atlanta with the Capella move just showed the direction they're wanting to go. I don't think they're interested in another 20-year-old. Yeah. I don't think – I think they've got enough, and I think I think they want to win now. And so I, I, that's another team I could see trading a pick. 
kind of like yeah. Golden State where they could trade yeah. like Herder or Collins with the pick. That's I mean that's really good value if you're a team like that's really good value, man. I'm I'm not gonna say like I don't know about Detroit. I'm just throwing out names. Well, Detroit, you could get you get Detroit's whole roster for a second round pick. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking of teams that are like desperate. I don't know to kind of. I think I think Chicago is one that would really benefit from get, you know from jumping up in the draft. Um, yeah. You know, if the ball is hey, the ball good, good or whatever. Um, I, I I think Chicago is a team that I mean they took Kobe White last year and he's played all right. You know, um, he finished the year a few well. games. Yeah, he finished well for sure. Um, I mean, Zach Levine is playing, I mean, the best he's ever played, maybe ever will play. Like, I, yeah. I think they would, they, and especially now with Boylan being out, like, they they have a fresh opportunity to, to take someone that whoever the coach is going to be can grow with a little bit. Um, and I think they, they have, they still have some good young pieces and, and Wendell Carter Jr. and Laurie Markinen, Zach Levine, Kobe White, like, you get another, like, just decent pick in this, and they could jump up a little bit. I think they could make a yeah. run for, you know, the 8-9 seed even, maybe. Wendell Carter was criminally misused by, in Boylan's system. Like, Same with Markin in. Same with Mark. Dude, Boylan was – he was bad, man. He just did not use these guys correctly. He just did guys in a secret. I think Austin and I talked about this once. I had the Bulls make the playoffs this year, preseason. They have like, a decent roster. Like they like should have yeah. got a great roster. Jim Boylan was one of the worst head coaches I've seen. And this is coming from a Suns fan. Right. Like <laughs> right. one of the worst head coaches I've seen in years, dude. Like he was awful. Yeah. And that's the difference. We're just talking about Atlanta. They're both in similar spots, but I think Lloyd Pierce is awesome. so much more stable. So dude, you're a stable. big head coach guy. Like you you praise the Suns for getting Monty Williams. Like I think you really like appreciate like culture and like what a head coach brings probably more than I do. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely defer to you on like the, the impact of a head coach like that, negative or positive. Yeah, and not to like get too deep into free agency and everything, but with but like there is rumors about Anthony Davis. Like if the Lakers do struggle in the playoffs, like he's from Chicago. Like he's That's I mean so he's, interesting. I he's know. always wow. talked about Chicago, and I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. Like I, I think he'd be crazy to take off from LeBron at this point, especially LA because they can always get talent, but. But, I mean, they are a roster where it's like they have some nice pieces, and if they could – and they just need really good wings. Like, if they could get an Anthony Edwards, if they could get a guy who's just a really nice, like, yeah. ball handling wing who can shoot, it would go a long – it would go a long way for that for roster, sure. especially if they could still bring someone in free agency. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll have to also tune in tomorrow night, and we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. We'll kind of break down, like, the implications of where all the teams end up. Uh, whether they slide up or slide down or stay put, but we'll kind of break that a little more into detail, break that down in more detail with kind of like what guys are projected in that range. So super excited about tomorrow night. Um, yeah. But yeah, super good hanging out, uh, talking, talking ball. And we'll, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Yeah.